Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right. I am Andrew Rappaport, your host of Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report. This is a ministry of striving for eternity, and you can hear this on the Christian podcast community. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org to find all of the great podcasts that we have out there. Some great content for your ear holes. We welcome you to another episode and want to first off give you guys some updates. Um, I will be doing some traveling. So I will be heading out in October. I will be at uh, the Shepherds Conference, sorry, the Truth Matters Conference Um but I will first be out in um, doing some open air preaching with with Ray, probably at Huntington Beach. Uh, we usually do that one o'clock on Saturdays, and so if you are in Huntington Beach area, I will be out there. I should be out there October twelfth. Uh, so the 14th, I'll be doing some filming there at Living Waters for a new project that they have going on. They're bringing a bunch of us in and doing some uh, quick answers, and so looking forward to that. I'll be at Truth Matters that week, so if you're out in L.A., if you happen to be at Truth Matters, Please look for me, say hello. If you if you listen, make sure you let me know that. That is greatly encouraging to know that people are listening and that they find some uh, value, get some teaching from this podcast. Now, that Sunday, uh, actually it's a Saturday after Truth Matters, uh, we will be flying up to San Francisco. I will be speaking at uh, Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, California. So if you are out that way, please come out and I'll be preaching at the church there. November, I will be host, being able to do a uh, Bible Interpretation Made Easy seminar, and that will be um, at uh, Princess Chapel Church. This is in Ashland, Kentucky, if you're in that area. Uh, it will be held there. It will be Saturday, November 9th, uh, starting at 5 p.m., and then I'll be preaching the morning service on Sunday the 10th, and then there'll be an evening session at 6 p.m. So if you're there, you could come there. Now, I will be the uh, November 15th and 16th and 17th. I'll be down in North Carolina. We're still working out all the details, but we'll be doing a revival, some revival meetings down there. So some last-minute things that we didn't really have planned on the schedule and that may wrap up most of my travel for the year. Uh, we'll see. Um, I have some some other travel I might be doing. There's a chance I may be, I will be actually, uh, there's not a chance, I will be out in Ohio uh, end of the year. And so there's a chance that I may be speaking somewhere uh December 29th. We're still working on that. So, folks, if, and if you're in the uh, Dayton, Ohio area, and you have a church that uh, does want to have me speak, uh, I will be there that week. So, uh, we are still looking for to see if there's any place that I would be speaking. So, with all that out of the way, uh, I want to let you know one big thing. We've mentioned this a couple times, but we want to encourage you to sign up to join us to going to Israel. Striving for Eternity is going to be joined by Justin Peters, and we're going to Israel in 2021. It's a long way away, and because of that, a lot of people are holding off because they say, well, I don't know where, that's so far, what's going to happen by then? Well, if you register now, you basically, what you'd end up losing if plans change is $125. So that's the only part that's non-refundable. But we're we're looking to see that everyone that is thinking about it will actually sign up. So please go to 2021 Israel Trip, 2021israeltrip.com. Go there right now. Check out all the details. This is going to be a longer trip than most other groups do, and so it allows us to see more things. So I really want to encourage you to to do that. Go to Israel, sorry, go to 2021israeltrip.com. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Really looking forward to it. So go do that. 
that is what I have for some announcements to give you guys some things going on. Now, what I want to do, and I do this every once in a while, where we grab a bunch of smaller issues that aren't enough for one show, we put them together and kind of do a show that covers a whole lot of cultural issues. And I want to deal with them now. The first one I want to deal with is, maybe you heard Mattel, the the Barbie line, they make Barbie and Ken dolls, if you remember those dolls. Now, first off, if you don't know the history, the Barbie doll was a doll that was really, um, I mean, it seems tame for today's standards, but back then it was, it was the, you know, a a sex doll of, of that time. And it was something to project, um, women as, as, using their their bodies as sex objects and that was really the the goal of barbie and to then have ken that would you know be this you know just always looking after barbie so the we see a change some time ago they decided to have a barbie that would have you know the muslim garb on and try to reach out to the muslims because they were obviously offended by a you Barbie that was very undressed, shall we say. Well, to keep with the culture, well, not really, actually, because it's not keeping with the culture. It's really these companies trying to push the culture and prey on our children. Well, Mattel has changed again. They, The giant toy company has now come out with a gender-inclusive doll line. And what you end up seeing in this, and by the way, I, if you're looking for where to get this information. I got this from Discern. Discern is a Christian news organization. It's D I S R N dot com. It's pronounced Discern. So if you you could go out there, they used to be the uh, I forget what their the old name for them was, but um, I could probably find out. Uh, but it was like the Christian daily news or something like that. But anyway, so discern, D-I-S-R-N.com. They, they're the ones that I saw this article and they talk about these toys that are, they come with a variety of um, clothes that the, they can wear, wigs that they can wear. And the whole idea of this is the blurring of the lines between male and female. This is constant pushing in our culture so now what they want to do is get dolls that of course they encourage both boys and girls to play with where the object now is to change what you're wearing you change them from boy clothes to girl clothes back and forth so that there's really no discernment anymore that's where they're trying to get with this that there's no discernment from children to think that now you can just you could just do it's it's you could change genders like playing with a doll you could just change from now I'm a boy, now I'm a girl, look how quick I change. It's as quick as changing, you can't call it Barbie anymore, but changing my doll's clothing and hair and suddenly a boy becomes a girl, a girl becomes a boy. It is very confusing for a young child to have to f- figure through these things. Now, as we, we talk about this, I, I want you to hear from... Uh, the the makers of this and why they are doing this so let's let's listen to some clips from them i think that we have hit a moment in time with a product of its time for children that are deeply in need of of this kind of self-expression without rules and without labels okay so did you hear that they they think that there's a need Who's who's begging for this? Are the are the children begging for this? Are there children out there saying, "I really need a doll that I can I can use it that could be both male or female, and it could change gender at will because I just I have that need. I I can't live without that. Is is this coming from your your three year old? Is this coming from your four year old? No, th- this is coming from the culture pushing it on the three and four year olds. But did you hear what they want? No rules. That's what this is about. They they need to know that they can ha- be in this world where there's no rules to sexuality. There's no rules to gender. They can decide. Now, I want you to think through what they're saying and what's going on here. They want to teach children that there are no rules. 
Is that really good for parents to be teaching? I mean, when they get to school, are there rules? When, when they get to jobs, are there rules? Should we be teaching our children that there's no rules, or should we be teaching our children that there are rules? No, we should be teaching children, teaching that our children, there's a right and there's a wrong. But you'll end up seeing, especially in this next clip, that the real thing that is going on is they are catering to trying to make the claim that children are right. Now, this is something our culture is, is going on. You know, if, if you're paying attention to news recently, you have this girl, uh, Greta, who is, is, you know, this young girl, and she's the, the face of climate change. And what's everyone doing? She, all of these young kids want to put themselves out there. Now, first off, they, they said that, oh, look, there's all these millions of kids marching for climate change in New York City. Yes, they were given the day off from school. You take any teenager and say you have a choice. You can stay in school or you can go march for climate change. Yeah, duh. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out which one they're going to choose. They're going to march because they get out of school for a day. They're basically allowed to cut school for a day. So they go and march. That's exactly what you see going on. And then when they get criticized, it's like, how dare you criticize us? We're children. No, you're pawns. You're pawns in a game, a political game. You're being used. Now, if you're allowing yourself to be used, well, what comes with that is you're going to be criticized. So the reason that this is going on is that they want to throw children out there so they can't be criticized, so they must be right because what, they're children? How much science have they done? How much have they studied these things? I mean, if we're going to put them in control, well, we got to trust them because they're children and they understand everything about climate change. They know all the science behind it, right? Oh, no, no, not at all. So why is it that Mattel is creating these? Let's listen from another person that works there that created this these dolls. A collection like this just knocks down every barrier to play. The greatest lesson of parenting is to get to know your child and honor who that child is and try to make them into the best adult human you can while keeping them safe and healthy. Okay, did you hear that? The the goal is to let them, you know, teach them everything there is to be a good adult while keeping them safe and healthy. Really, but but that beginning part, let's listen to that again because it, you know, this is really should be shocking to us. Okay? Listen to what she said. Every barrier to play. That's right. They want to remove every barrier to play. Who is in control in this? In what they put out there, who's in control? Well, it's the child. The child is the one that should be making all decisions. Think about this, if you would, as we look at these dolls and things like this. You have, for for example, in my state of New Jersey, if you go to a public school, a child cannot take any kind of medicine for a headache. They're not allowed without parental permission. So if the child goes and says, I have a headache, the the nurse is not allowed to give an aspirin or Tylenol or Advil or anything to a child without parental permission. But you know what else a teacher can do in New Jersey? In fact, if a student was to say to a teacher, as happens in New Jersey, if a student says to a teacher, I'm pregnant and I want an abortion, the teacher must help that child get to an abortion clinic and know the parents are not allowed to know. The teacher is not allowed to tell the parents, oh, by the way, I took your child to get a medical procedure. Think about that. No Advil or Tylenol, that's too dangerous. We need to make sure we get a parent's permission on that one. But I could take you to go get an abortion and I'm not allowed to tell the parents. Does Does this make any sense? This is where we're at, folks. They want to say that children are in charge. The children, five and six-year-olds, they know enough about everything to be able to know their gender and be able to figure this out, to have no boundaries. Now, let's think about this. You have to be 21 years old in this country to drink alcohol. Why? Because alcohol will affect 
your senses and your discernment, your thinking and your judgment. And therefore, dangerous things can happen if you drink alcohol. And so in large amounts, and what happens? They say you must be a certain age to where you're more mature and can handle these things. You're not allowed to smoke cigarettes until you're 18 years old. Why? Because they're bad for your health, and we can't trust that before 18, you are thinking through these things in a mature enough way to be able to make these decisions. You can't vote until you're 18. Why? Because we think that you're not mature enough to be able to understand these things well enough to vote and pull a lever. But at four or five, you understand everything about sexuality, your future, what's going to happen as, a, as an adult and whether you want to have kids. You understand all of that to be able to decide whether you're male or female. Is this insane or what? It is. This is where our culture is. This is Romans chapter one. I'm sorry, but people sit there and ask the question all the time. Do you think that God is judging America or do you think God's going to judge America? No, no, I don't think he's going to judge America. But when you look at Romans one, he is judging America. This is the judgment. We've already given over to the foolishness of the world. It says that in verse 24 of Romans 1, therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to the impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the judgment of God, what we see in our culture. This isn't God's going to judge us for this. This actually is God's judgment on America. He's passing it right now. And so we see this in the, in the insanity that we have before us of people that can't figure out that a four and five year old should not be making decisions on something that affects the rest of their life. That, oh, I feel like I'm a girl today. I feel like I'm a boy today. And then they're they're reinforced by this. And now people are being taught in schools and they're given dolls to play with, all to reinforce that they can have fluidity in gender. I'm sorry, but this is a simple matter of science. You either have an X or a Y chromosome. That's it. XX, XY, you're done. That is science. Now, for the evolutionists who argue there is no image, immaterial nature to anything and we're just pure chemical reactions a product of evolution well if we're just chemical reactions then all boys should act like boys because that is their biology all girls should act like girls because that is their biology there is nothing else that you should see here where it's well i feel like a boy but today i feel like a girl there shouldn't be a change in that because the chemicals are not changing you see this is the way the chemicals are, that it either is that you're a boy or it is that you're a girl. There is no idea that you have the biology that can keep shifting back and forth. And there is such confusion that let, let me give you, and, and I'm going to tell you this right now, I do this torture myself for your benefit. I'm getting this from the Gender Reveal podcast. I'm going to play just some clips, but I listen to this stuff so that I can bring this stuff to you guys so you don't have to listen to this nonsense garbage. But there is, it's interesting because these gender podcasts are get are huge. I mean, thousands and of thousands of downloads per episode. And it's nonsense stuff. I mean, it's just non-common sense. But here's a big thing that they they were thrilled with, so that the dictionary now is validating them. So here's just a little clip from the Gender Reveal podcast. You may have seen headlines this week that Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, added the non-binary pronoun they to the dictionary. I've heard three main reactions from this. One is, why do we care? Because the Oxford English Dictionary is the definitive source of the English language. And that's true, but the OED generally focuses on history, like, for example, the fact that we have been using they as a singular pronoun since 1375. And also, you can't access the OED without a, like, $250 subscription on the internet. And so, it's, it, 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 I can't. can't. We can't talk about it. The second point, people... Okay, so let's start with the first point. Before she gets to the second point, I didn't even bother playing the clip of the third. But 
Notice what she says. The Oxford Dictionary, which is the definitive dictionary, that's the definitive one. Why? Because it looks at words in its history. Why do they like to go to the Miriam Dictionary? Well, they like to go to that one because it's more fluid. It's the one that's more dealing with cultural changes. And that's the one that allows them to keep playing games with words. Words have meanings. When you remove the meanings of words... And you say that it can mean one thing today and tomorrow means something totally different. Then the mean, the mean, the words become meaningless. And this is 1984. Go read that book by Orwell. This, that's exactly what you have. You, you have newspeak where, where things can be mean, have one meaning today. And then all of a sudden they go, Oh, whoa, no, no, we got to change. We got to change the past because they, and in that book, they say whoever controls the past controls the future. That's exactly what we see going on. People are trying to rewrite history and now what they're trying to do is control language so that they can control the thinking that people have and so they want to go to a dictionary and say well see now that this dictionary is going to vindicate us but the reality is um the historical word for they has always had been there in the oxford dictionary and yeah it could be used in the singular but not the way they want to use it today and this is what you end up seeing i mean this is the, the think of the word racist or racism. It's changing. It used to mean something when you show a prejudice toward people that of a certain ethnicity. Now it has to do with economics. Really? Like, totally different. Why? Because they just got to change the word. Now, let's listen to her second reason. Making is, didn't Merriam-Webster already have singular they in the dictionary? And yes, they had third person singular they in the dictionary. But now, not only does it say that you can use they as a pronoun for one person, it also says that they can be used to refer to a single person whose gender identity is non-binary. And then there's an example sentence that says, I knew certain things about the person I was interviewing. They had adopted their gender-neutral name a few years ago when they began to consciously identify as non-binary. That is neither male nor female. They were in their late 20s. So, not only do we now have the dictionary on our side that they can be a singular pronoun, but we have the dictionary on our side that non-binary people, one, exist, and two, use they-them pronouns. Okay, so does the dictionary prove they exist? Uh, well, they do exist as either male or female, either XX or XY. Now, when they claim they identify, how could they identify something other than their biology? Unless, of course, there's an immaterial part of them called a spirit, that part they want to deny in evolution, the part that they want to deny in all of their evolutionary atheistic thinking. The reality is they're appealing to an immaterial part of them. So you end up seeing here, they're, they're going, oh, look, the dictionary vindicates us. No, the dictionary is not vindicating. It's saying that this is the way people are using these words so that people understand the usage of their constantly changing language. But I want you to get an idea from this podcast of how they view themselves. <clears throat> now, I w- I'm going to play the, the context, the first part of this clip. Now, I've, I've clipped out some of the middle because I want you to hear the beginning context of the situation they set up and and they talk about how this beginning part is so aggressive if you don't call someone by the right pronoun you're so aggressive listen to this any thoughts on dealing with being misgendered by strangers the grocery store manager called me young lady and i want to scream yeah it does suck i'm really sorry that happened to you people have this thing too where a lot of people like including me don't correct people at their jobs because they're like this person's just trying to do their job and they have enough to deal with without customers complaining they misgendered them and like i hear that but also like if that or if that employee is making you feel unsafe in that store or unwelcome in that store i think it's okay to politely be like hey what's up or like one time i went to a movie with like a bunch of non-binary people and we got like aggressively misgendered and i just like emailed the manager later and i didn't like name anyone i was just like hey everyone in my group got aggressively misgendered by your bartender aggressively misgendered so if you call someone by the wrong pronoun that is now being called aggressive think about that i mean how 
how snowflakey are they? I mean, think about this. This is like, oh no, you hurt my feelings. You, you, you're threatening me. I'm, I don't feel safe. I mean, that's what they're talking about. Safety. The, the, I don't recommend listening to this podcast full of foul, foul language. Um, but what you end up seeing in it is they are so, they talk about safety. It's, it was amazing. They sit there and they say how pe- they have to feel safe. It's, they don't feel safe going out on a date with someone of the same sex because someone may kill them. Uh, I don't see that in the news. I'm not reading that very much about people just going on a date and being killed because they're going on a date. Oh, wait, there, there was the, the Muslim guy. It wasn't a Christian guy, by the way. A Muslim guy who uh, shot up a, a gay bar in Florida, I think it was. Uh, yeah, but um, he wasn't Christian for sure. But th- that's not seeing that very often. And they, they try to say how it was unfair because the courts are so biased toward, you know, against them. And I'm like, going, really? I think it's the Christians who are being sued left and right for not promoting same-sex marriage. They never challenge the Muslims who have the, a, a much harder line or position against homosexuality than Christians do. Christians only want to share the gospel with them. Muslims want to throw them off buildings. Hmm, little bit of a difference, shall we say? And yet they come after the Christians. No, folks, this is demonic. That's right, I said it. It's demonic. This is a demonic activity against Christianity. It is an attack and a constant attack that they use this stuff to go after Christianity. It's not going to stop anytime soon. And this is something that we have to be ready and prepared for because this stuff is what we see in our culture. That they feel that if you call them by the wrong name, that that is aggressive. You know, there's there's people who maybe they, they'll call someone by a nickname and, and people don't like that nickname. You know, a shorter of your name, if your name's Robert and you don't like Bob. Okay, what do most people do in that case? Hey, uh, my name's Robert. Oh, okay, sorry, and it's not a big deal. It's not, there's no aggression there. Saying sir or ma'am is being polite. And the fact that they want to claim that there's something different than the way they dress or the way, well, how are we to know? How do we know other than looking at someone? That's why they say you have to call everyone a they. Because you're not, you're not a, to, not only you're not knowing, but you shouldn't mis give them a, a wrong pronoun, uh, pronoun. Well, that's just crazy to think about in a culture where how are you going to be polite? Because that's really what it is when you say, ma'am, miss, sir, gentlemen. These are these are terms used in, in a way of showing respect to someone, and they want to take that and say no. And so what do we do? We're constantly seeing in our culture a watering down of respect and politeness to where the only thing that's going to rule is rudeness. Now, this is one area, but I want to give you another area that we see more of this stuff going on, and that's going to be the issue of abortion. I want to cover that just after this message. Did you know that Striving for Eternity provides speakers and seminars that we would come to your church and disciple your people? We have seminars on the Bible interpretation made easy, creation science, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics, even on sexual abuse. These are just some of the many things that we could provide for your church. Consider inviting one of our speakers to your church. You can contact us at speaker at strivingforeternity.org. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 29.11 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. All right. Well, thank you for that, Todd. And now I want to deal with the issue of abortion because here was very interesting. You have a mayor here and he was having a the town council. And what ended up happening at this meeting is someone got up and wanted to, and they often have this at their town council meetings. You have a time for a regular session where anyone can get up and speak and this is what ended up happening at this one with uh, Mayor um, 
Robert, uh, oh, let me see what his name was. Uh, B-R-U-C-H-E-Y, Robert E. Bruchini II. And I want you to hear what happens. Someone comes up. It's a little hard to hear uh, when the gentleman comes up to the mic. But he comes up to the mic and wants to talk about atrocity that's happening in their town. And soon as he mentions the murder of children... Watch how quickly the council members move to shut the meeting down. And when this guy tries to speak, they stop him and say, sorry, we're, we're having a, 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 a motion and you have to wait till it's done. And the motion is to end the meeting. Listen to this. All right. So now we're moving on to say some comments. Harold King, Boone's Bar, please step up. Give us your name and address, please. Okay, now did you hear Harold King and Vince Barr? So there were two people that were supposed to come up. Two. You're not going to get to hear from the second one, and you're actually not going to even hear much from the first. Here we go. Sir, good evening. My name is Harold King. Um, I'm a resident of Boonesboro, Maryland. However, um, our family does do most of our shopping activities here in Hagerstown, Maryland. <clears throat> we like it a lot here, and uh, I want to thank you for your time this evening. I'm here tonight to talk to you about the atrocity that has been occurring in Hagerstown for many years, currently at 160 West Washington Street. That atrocity, as you may well know, is abortion, the murder of unborn humans. Mr. Mayor, I move we adjourn. See how quick that was? That's a precedent motion. It is. I need to get a second. Second. So quickly they moved to to make a motion. Particularly want to say and listen to the conversation. So did you hear did you hear what he said? He didn't want to stay and hear this conversation. So this is a chance for for a citizen to be able to speak to their council and he's and the council they don't want to hear it. So they just want to close the meeting so that they don't have to hear a person. The guy starts to try to explain and then watch what happens or listen. The creator of Anybody else? On the floor. You have a motion on the floor. I, I think, you know, it, it's... it's uh, From the uh, moment of conception, there is a developing human life. When, when, you, uh, when you want to point of change order, the law. Point of order is Mr. Hefferman's making a, a, uh, uh, a discussion during a discussion moments of a motion that was made. Uh, please wait till Mr. Hefferson, Hefferson is finished. Go ahead. So notice that the mayor just told this gentleman that he had to wait until this discussion from a con- uh, one of the council members is finished before he can speak. And there's a motion. He's not allowed to speak until the motion's done. Let's see what he, this guy has to say. When, when you want to change a law, it, it doesn't do any good to go before a body that has no control whatsoever. I mean, we, we hear this. Week after week after week in citizen comments, or month after month, I should mm-hmm. say, in citizen comments. And this body has absolutely no control. It, even if we wanted to do, if we all agreed to do something, there's nothing in the city charter, there's nothing the city can do. This is a federal. So Okay, now here's, here's the fallacy that you, he, that guy says. He says, well, there's nothing we could do. Really? You guys are in control of zoning laws. You guys are the ones that allow them and zone them so that they can use that building for that purpose. You could stop that. You could change the zoning. You can pass a bill that doesn't allow them to do that. That's something that they have power to do at a local level. So there is something that they could do. They, they want to play it off like, oh, it's out of our hands. This is federal. He's not saying, I want you to put an end to abortion. He's saying he, want, he wants you to put an end to abortion to a specific address in their town that they have zoned and allowed to function. And they can put a stop to that for their town. There's nothing that says that they can't do that in their town. And so does the guy get a chance to speak? Let's find out. Uh, part of the reason I'm here is because there are... We have a motion, we have a second, we have a discussion from the body. Any other discussion? Okay, so he tried to explain himself to this guy that, that made a comment. He's trying to explain what the mayor do. We'll go right over him and just go, hey, we got procedures. We're in a procedural thing. Let's go. On the motion to adjourn, how say you? Aye. 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 Hey, we're adjourned. Okay, so they're adjourned. That's it. They're done. No more. Everyone walks out, and this guy's left standing. That's exactly what we end up seeing over and over again with with folks like this. So, this is. Let, let me give you some statistics. I got this from a, a podcaster. 
from the Audacity to podcast. His name's Daniel J. Lewis. And on his Facebook, he had some very interesting statistics. So I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, he's, According to Planned Parenthood's, uh, Planned Parenthood's own 2017 to 2018 fiscal, uh, fiscal year report, they performed three hundred and thirty two thousand seven hundred fifty seven abortions during that period he provided the source for that this is only abortions counted by planned parenthood according to the cdc six hundred and thirty eight thousand one hundred and sixty nine abortions were reported in 2015 That is like wiping out the entire population of Las Vegas every year. Well, I thought that was a great way that Daniel J. Lewis explained that. Think about that. Explain that to people, that you are wiping out the entire population of Las Vegas every year. That's how many children are being murdered in this country. And and a city council goes, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear this kind of talk. Daniel J. Lewis goes on to say, that's 1,748 lives snuffed out every day. Let that sink in, he said. And before you think that there's no home for all these children, experts estimate there are one to two million couples every year waiting to adopt, and yet fewer than 150,000 children are actually placed in into these homes yearly and he provides a source for that as well so he goes on to say how can humanity ever hope to solve smaller problems if we are savagely killing off the most innocent of us how big do these numbers have to get before people do something to stop the genocide and in the one minute it took you to read this post during the business hours Two to three children were murdered in the United States alone. Now, I think he has a very good point here. And I will try to put his his post and the, the sources in the show notes. But you think about that. It really sunk in with me. I, I really think this was a great way to put it when he said that it is like wiping out the entire population of Las Vegas every year. A, a major city. 600,000 people being killed in a year. And and people don't want to hear about it. It's no it's it's just we 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 can't talk about those things. No. No, that's not that's not important. I you know, the other thing I was going to show is there there was I, I saw some video of people that are outside of a abortion clinic and they just want to give information to people going in the clinic about adoption, about what abortion is, about things that abortion causes on people and basically giving them other options, other choices. And you had a, a, a death court. And if you don't know what a death court is, the, the basically because the Christians have been so good at going outside of these abortion clinics and sharing the gospel with people and telling people that they, they shouldn't kill their child. And it's been so effective and so many abortion clinics have been shutting down that what do they do? They get volunteers to stand out there to protect these women. They walk them from their car into the abortion center to make sure they're talking over them, to make sure that they, they don't walk over to the Christian sharing the gospel. Oh no, the gospel is such a horrible thing that this is where it comes to. And so we call them death scorts because they want to escort these people to kill their children. And you end up seeing that they're getting very, very aggressive. And unfortunately, what you saw in the video that, that I had seen, and unfortunately, I don't have the clip of it, and it, it wasn't something that would play well in audio anyway, but you, you saw this woman that was just getting right in the person's face, uh, the, the pro-life person's face. And just and she goes, she's just so smug and going, what are you going to do about it? She's leaning on her, her uh, tr- the, basically her, her placard that she's holding up, and you know, trying to bend it. And she's like, what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about it. Now I would have called the police because they were playing music. So no one could hear them. They were, they were, there's a heckler's veto that is part of the freedom of speech. When you're exhibiting the freedom of speech, which by the way, freedom of speech in America is specifically about religious and political speech. So when you're out there 
promoting the gospel, that is protected speech by the Constitution. And there is a heckler's veto which prevents someone from preventing a person from exercising their freedom of speech. And when they're playing music and they were holding up these big pink uh, placards to block the um, the signs that they that the pro-lifers were holding up, that also it is a heckler's veto. And I would have called the police on them, had them arrested, and then have the freedom to be able to speak to the to the people going in the clinic. But these Christians chose not to do that. They chose to try to reason with these death squirts, and and the death squirts feel that they're they're entitled to do whatever they want. They can they can ruin your property. They feel that you can't do anything about it, and they have the right. And it was very interesting what they did say because the one death squirt was saying. If you feel offended, you can. You have the obligation to move, to retreat, to leave. Really? I, I thought that if you're being offensive, that you should stop. Isn't that what we hear in the culture? No, their idea is if, if you feel that you're offended by my behavior, you must retreat because we must be dominant. We must win. We must have the final say. We have the right to everything because we think so. Where do you get said authority? We make it up. We just want it. And that's what you end up seeing. This is a strange culture that we live in, a very strange culture. Um, I want to get to another thing after this break that really blew me away. Do you know you can never put your hands up in the sign giving, saying, okay. You know when you may, you're pointing over someone, you say, hey, that's okay, and you want to put your, two, your, your uh, index finger and your thumb together, hold three fingers up? No, that is a racist symbol. We'll get to that just after this. The Five Solas Podcast, a weekly podcast hosted by James Watkins that is dedicated to the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode to discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant Reformers, the prophetic challenge they present, and the sound wisdom they provide as we delve into their biblical meaning and theological significance and reflect upon and appropriate their truths, we will be engaging issues in the church and world. Each week, from the rich insight of Reformation Christianity, we will be showing all the manifold ways in which this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness, and confront the idols of our age with biblical discernment and a sound apologetic in a manner that is as open and transparent as possible, while challenging you to seek the glory of God in all that you do. Soli Deo Gloria. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 Therefore laying his falsehood Speak truth each one of you with his neighbor For we are members of one another For his name's sake What's up everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast Where I seek to distribute the truth That the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010 Saved me in 2013 And in 2017, Prescribed Truth began My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word While refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches And the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found, including the Christian Podcast Community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribedtruth.com. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. All right, so those are two of the podcasts on the Christian Podcast Community. You should check them out. Both very, very, very excellent podcasts. If you have not subscribed to them, Five Solas and Prescribed Truth are excellent, excellent podcasts. Now, recently this week it came out that the OK hand gesture is not allowed. This is now considered hate speech. It is, I, I'm, I'm blown away by this. It's hate speech. To put up the OK symbol. <clears throat> Why? Well, supposedly, <clears throat> when you put your fingers up, and you guys know what it looks like, when you put your fingers, your, your index finger and your thumb together with three fingers sticking up, that's supposed to be 
the words for WP, for white power. It doesn't mean okay. It means white power. So every time you use it, it can only mean white power. So therefore, if you walk on the street and you hold up your finger, you, you someone, you know, you have a friend across the street and you want to, you know, he, he puts his phone to his ear saying, hey, call me. And you put your hand up to say, okay, well, that's a hate crime now. <laughs> I mean, this is where it's gone to, folks. And this is from the AP News, that this is now a hate crime. So I got curious and decided to look up some of the other hate symbols. I mean, if the okay sign is a hate symbol, what else? Well, 100%, that's right, 100% is a hate symbol. So it doesn't actually mean... Uh, a complete percent whole of something like 100% of something. No, no, it can only mean 100% white among white supremacists. Well, if it only means that among white supremacists, I guess the rest of us can use it. No, because it's a hate symbol. You can't say, you can't say 100% like, you know, I'm 100% Jewish because you know, no, that would be that would be hateful. So I got a little curious what other numbers may be racist uh, and hate hate numbers, hate symbols. Well, 12. Yep. You can't do 12, 13, 14. Can't use 18. Nope. Can't use that. You can't say 18. You can't use 28, 3, 311, 318, 38, 43, 511 737 you better make sure you're not flying one of those airplanes because if you happen to say what kind of aircraft are you flying i'm flying a 737 oh oh hey that's hate symbol that's a hate speech right there can't do that can't mention 83 88 i mean this is just insanity folks i went and looked and, and this thing goes on and on and on with all kinds of claims of like everything under the sun is a hate symbol of white supremacists uh, even the okay symbol. And and this is what our culture has come to, folks. This is insanity. I can't hold up an okay symbol because they want to say the only thing that it could possibly mean is white power. Huh. You know, my my son goes to a college where the they're um they're called the Wildcats for the sports teams. And so they they that's their you know the the name of the teams are all the Wildcats, so their basketball team and all that. So they do sound very similar to a, a okay symbol, but they just open up their index finger and their thumb just a little, and they, so it's a W C for Wild Cat. But guess what? If they do that and get a little bit too close, someone may accuse them of hate crimes. I mean. Everything seems to be a hate crime. We live in a culture where everybody is so easily offended at everything, especially the gospel. But you know what I find so interesting? They expect that the Christians should not be offended by anything. No, the Christians, they always remind us that we as Christians should just take it. We should roll over. We should, as that one death court had said to the pro-life person, if you're offended by what I say, you should just retreat, walk away, leave. That, and that's what the culture wants Christianity to do. They're sick and tired of hearing that they're accountable to a God. They know that already, and that's why they're sick and tired of it. Because they are trying to suppress the truth that God has put on their heart in unrighteousness. That's what Romans 1 says. And this is the judgment we see on them because they've done that. And because of this, we live in this culture where they don't want the reminder that they are accountable to God. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Brothers and sisters, those of you who know Christ, it is not a time for us to retreat. It is not a time for us to walk away and to let this go. This is a time for you and I to double down with the gospel. They need this. They need to hear that there's a true message, that there is an accountability that they're going to have to give to God. They need this. They want to suppress this. But brothers and sisters, if we love them, if we care for them, we must warn them. We must 
Tell them, this is a responsibility that we have. So my challenge to you, as we, we look at these different issues that have been coming up, we need to look at this stuff and say, there is issues that we have that we must consider here. We as believers should be reaching out to them with the truth that they would recognize themselves as the sinners that we all are, that they would repent of that sin, that they would turn to Jesus Christ, that they may have eternal life. This is very important because without them knowing this, without them repenting, they will spend eternity in a lake of fire. Do you love your neighbor enough that you would warn them? They need to know. They need to know the truth. Even though they want to suppress that truth, that doesn't take away our responsibility to share the truth with them. My challenge to you today is to go and share the gospel. The more of us that do this, then maybe the more obedient we are to the call to the gospel presentation to unbelievers that God will bring more to repentance and enough people that when they repent, maybe this culture will change. Maybe we can have a revival in this country that can spread throughout the world, that we could see people turning to Christ. But it is only going to start when you and I get out of the comfort zones of our homes, get out of the comfort of our churches. And by the way, what the world wants to do is now that all these people came out of the closet, they want to shove all the Christians into it. They want Christians to say, you can only speak about Christ in your church. That's the, that's where it belongs. No, the gospel message belongs in the square, public square. That's where it belongs, and that's where we need to, to be, sharing it. There's people dying and going to hell. Do you care enough about them to share the gospel with them? I know this may not have been the most encouraging episode. Boy, it may it have been frustrating. It was frustrating and infuriating to me. I had to listen to, to hours of podcasts about gender to, to see, hear some of this stuff, and it is painstakingly frustrating. But I do that for you. So you don't need to listen, but you can know what's going on in the culture. I'm going to be bringing more of that stuff to you guys. So you're aware because this onslaught's not going away. It's going to get worse. So remember until next week, share this episode, subscribe. If this is your first time listening, but share it with others, encourage them to subscribe. We need to get the message of the gospel out, folks. We need as believers, we need to, to tell people. And so... I challenge you to do that. Until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.